digital health today, it's pervasive and it's going to drive innovation across different sectors of health, whether it's in medtech and devices or biotech and life sciences. In this evolving landscape, how do you build collaborative partnerships with meaning to commercialise and thrive? We're going to be diving deep down that rabbit hole today in this episode with Adam Wardell from Provisior. Now, for some context, we're releasing this episode in October, and it was actually recorded in August. And you'll hear this is just as Adam started in the interim general manager role for the End Health Plus program. So we talk a bit about that in this episode. Just wanted to flag that in case those timelines don't quite align when you hear Adam mention it. But it's still a great one. You'll hear Adam try and flip the script a few times and be the host on me. But you'll hear we discuss the fundamentals of commercialization and collaboration within healthcare. We take a detailed look at the different ways to achieve these processes successfully, the value of diversity, the role of digital health in the pharmaceutical industry, and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. With me today is Adam Wardell. He's the co-founder of Provisior, and he's currently the interim general manager for the And Health Plus program. He has a background as a clinical pharmacist, and he has experience across big pharma, academia, medtech, biotech, digital health, and everything in between. Adam Wardell, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Pete. It's great to see you. Great to hear from you. Great to be in the same virtual room as you yet again. What's been happening recently, so I'm surprised that we've actually been able to align the diaries, so it's great to chat. Only, only just, but funny, funny you say again, because I know we've done some summits and many of things and workshops and bits and pieces, plenty of in-person events we've crossed paths on, but we've never done a dedicated podcast episode. So yeah, this is your time to shine, my friend. So thank you for coming on and agreeing to have a chat. But for those that don't know Adam Wardell, tell us a bit more about you and your background. Yeah, well, Adam Wardell, I'm going to start at the very beginning because it actually, it's a story that has been growing on me. I'm a clinical pharmacist by background. What does that mean? It means that lots and lots of therapeutic areas, sort of no real specialty. It was actually the beginning of my digital health journey. And it's only been recently that sort of somebody put this in front of me. We built a sort of very early stage, I would even call it like pre-MVP algorithmic approach to sort of dose monitoring and dose escalation and dose changing for a really rare disease. And I sort of look back at that moment and I'm like, I am a clinical pharmacist. I love this sort of you know therapeutic approach to how we create change, but Already back then, we were thinking, before it was called digital health, how can we use technology to really improve care? And the more that I thought about that, I moved into big pharma, I've done some lecturing, uh, you know, I won't sort of bore you with the details, but all of the big pharma work really was predicated on innovation and how we can bring those new things to the market. The biggest one was was really at Novartis. I arrived at Novartis with a dream, with a lot of enthusiasm about what innovation was going to be there. And through strategy, innovation and business development, which was sort of the perfect triangle of things to do, it meant that this emergence of digital health, the emergence of Novartis in digital health, and that's why we were able to become a founding partner in and health. I'm sure we'll talk about that today. It was a really sort of fine point within the Australian ecosystem, rather than just sort of sit back and wait for individuals to do something, it was bring together a collective. And 
you know, that collective was really ahead of its time and has spawned a lot of other amazing collaborations around the process. And, you know, we might talk about how important collaboration is within the ecosystem today. I think that's a, a really big piece of how we need to work, not separately, but actually together. I think we'll build a bit of that. Through all of that time within Big Pharma and with this therapeutic background, I was actually, one of the things around portfolios is sometimes you have to say no to stuff. I actually found that I was saying no to a lot of things that were really great. I was seeing innovations in between the cracks around Australia and the Asia Pacific region. And I wanted to say yes to all of them, but we couldn't because it didn't align with that company's agenda. So instead, I stepped out and have set up Previsior which is a challenging brand name, but it's about looking into the future. So it's very early stage. That's where the pre comes from. And it's about that combination of setting the vision for the future, as well as the advisory capacity that we really do deliver. And we've been able to sort of drive Provisior into the future around commercialization, a very, very strong strategy aspect, and even earlier into sort of the innovation agenda and how you may be able to align that. So happy to talk to you about that. I mean, Provisior is a uh, is a member of, of Talking Health Tech, which is great. So if you're a member, you can dig around and, and see what we can do and happy to use Talking Health Tech as the portfolio your platform so that we can help all of the members do things and, and sort of move us forward. That's the story to date. And there's been a really recent an- announcement, Pete. Do you want me to say that? So I'm just uh, rejoining And Health for a little bit. So the wonderful Grace Lethleen, who is the co-founder, has stepped off into this amazing opportunity with the Churchill Scholarship. So she's going to go around the world and find a whole bunch of digital health insights and intelligence and bring it back to Australia and make us amazing as a country. And while she's away, I'm going to step into her shoes and hopefully keep the home fires burning and look after the cohort company of Ant Health Plus. So I'm the general manager of just the Ant Health Plus program, helping the team to really stay connected to the international partners and really make sure we can see the the next stage of these companies really come to light. So that's what I'm doing there. Love it. (laughs) Great opportunity for Grace and the Churchill Scholarship. Uh, I've heard some good things about that from previous guests and members that have appeared. So that's really exciting and cool that you can come back a little bit full circle and and give back to the that digital health community and I guess support network that exists through and health and has done so well. So yeah, that's really good. It's actually a really big point, Pete. You know, wh- one of the things that I sort of look at this opportunity to pay something back to and health and you know, I definitely thank Bron for the opportunity to sort of do this and I won't thank Grace for going away. That's not the point, but it really is the ability to sort of give something back that we saw early on and in fact the more that I think about my career as well, a lot of it has been paying back what I've learned through experience into the next sort of generation and, you know, passing the bat on certain levels of intelligence or how to build a a collaborative partnership with a large pharma company, which a lot of people want to do, but sometimes go about it the wrong way. Even down to some of the academic partnerships that we've been able to establish with commercial organizations, really sort of bringing that translation of health innovation through you know, I do a bit of work in biotech and, and med tech as well as sort of systems consulting. It's not just a digital health expert, but I have that expertise. And the interesting thing is having that general approach means that you get better context. And maybe that's something we are missing at the moment is the context of how digital health applications can work within not only our local ecosystem, but the national ecosystem. As we move into international partnerships, the subtle div- differences that we have between individual countries and the way that their their models work. It's not just the US out there. There's other countries. There's 100 and I want to say 196. I could be wrong there. There's 196 other countries that are not Australia in the US. So, you know, there's lots of opportunity. 
you know, that's an interesting thing in itself, thinking about digital health in the broad sense and then bringing in other areas, industries and whatnot, like the, the pharma side. But then you talk about biotech and we talk about med tech. There could be those that consider themselves within the digital health space, but don't need to engage with, say, the pharmaceutical side, because what they might be doing is more in relation to the data or the workflow. And there could be a clinical component to what's happening as well. But I find this interesting the more and more I delve in, and it's it's an area that you've been quite a part of. And actually, it was a little bit tied to, to a recent conversation that I think this episode will drop pretty closely to when your episode comes out too, where you moderated a panel at the recent And Health event, which was a big focus on digital therapeutics. And, and the panel that you moderated featured a number of the big pharma companies. I think the title of that was Clash of the Titans and, and there was Reverb and all the Titans, Titans, Titans. <laughs> that was fascinating in that not just because of your big dramatic intros to, to introduce each of those speakers, I thought that was really good, but particularly seeing the interest that pharmaceutical organizations have within the digital health space, not necessarily seeing it as bad for business, quote unquote, because, you know, potentially digital therapeutics by definition potentially could reduce the reliance on medication, which is medication that pharmaceutical companies are responsible for, for putting together. However, there's, when you talk about innovation, digital health plays a really big part in the innovation in the pharmaceutical space. So this is an area that you're, you're quite quite deeply immersed in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm old enough to sort of tell this story in a unique way. When digital health, right, when data or big data started to become the next big thing at the very beginning of the hype cycle, there were bunches and bunches of of social commentary about how bad it's going to be for pharma business, how bad it's going to be for hospitals. Their errors are going to show up and, and nobody's going to take drugs because you'll be able to do behavioral management. The actual doom and gloom that was set by major commentators in the market was quite real. And it was, it was really interesting because there were sectors of the market sort of listened to that. And they said, oh, yeah, we've got to figure out a story because we're, otherwise we'll erode our value. You know, our shareholders come first. And if we're taking less medicine, that's not a good thing for business. It's interesting that there was all a really, really sort of strong group of those pharma companies that launched headfirst into the, to the breach and really sort of pushed not just the boundaries, but pushed ahead to almost unlock that value. And I think that there's a common misconception, and, and this was really between the lines of what came out of that moderated session. The art here is for organizations to know that they're still trying to get the right medicine to the right patient at the right time. This, let's call it generalist media view that big bad pharma are just trying to sell as much drug as they can. I will tell you now that the offset here is that more general that you go with a medicine the actual cheaper it has to be to be able to get that level of penetration. And and that economic argument, I think, was was the recognition. There was a really big tipping point because those stories around data's going to cruel you and you're going to sell less and, and et cetera, et cetera, made way for the fact that actual healthcare system is so broken from a user perspective, we need to do something. And in fact, there was so much more opportunity for these types of companies, and not just pharma, I'm talking med tech, I'm talking providers, I'm talking all the other stakeholders, there was so much opportunity to arise from improving efficiency, from connected health, from predictive analytics, that it was almost the sort of, oh, no, we've missed this really big opportunity and now we need to catch up. 
So you had this almost dual speed and there's a bit Tour de France. You had this sort of, you know, head of the course group that were out there changing the game, really incorporating their business model, doing transformation both internally and externally. And then you had a group that were trying to catch up. And those catch-ups were really interesting. They were almost sort of themselves throwing sort of opportunities into the mix to just grab onto this opportunity. And we saw some really I don't know, interesting outcomes. We're starting to see the, the sort of ramifications of some of those changes at the moment. And we've all seen, I assume that, that we're a well-read audience. We've all seen the recent changes around things like Teladoc and valuation and what's actually been happening in that space. The outcomes of those changes around grabbing onto something that could be future value, but not implementing it, not connecting it to these healthcare systems is what we're seeing. There's always going to be trials and tribulations through a, such a nascent industry, but we also need to be aware of what's caused them because that's the thing. Otherwise, we all react and we all go, well, Teladoc failed. Nobody should build another one. No, no, no. It's got nothing to do with how it was built. It's got everything to do about how it was implemented. And that is how we thought it was going to be implemented compared to how we need to be prepared for how it actually works in the real world. That's sort of my high-level view of the situation there. I actually, Pete, sorry to throw the question back to you, but where does that land for you? I mean, you get a very, very different perspective on, as an audience member, you look at that and say, what is these titans? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, that's interesting that you oh, look, look, look at you spinning the conversation <laughs> back. You should have your own podcast. It's just funny that you say that around the, you know, the Teladoc example. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think Teladoc failed necessarily and it continues to thrive. And there's some great recent announcements I've seen from them, and also a THT Plus member too, particularly here in Australia. So doing some really cool things there. But when we talk about hype within digital health, there's hype around the technology, but also when it comes to valuations, which is like everything, there's peaks and troughs and there's times that there's got to be normalization that takes place. And I think watching from the outside, it can be you know easy to make a lot of assumptions about what intentions are. What I think it highlights is you know this point that I know that that you and I very much are aligned on is, like you said before, the need for, for collaboration within the space because there are some, while digital health, health IT, whatever you call it within, particularly in Australia, you might initially think, well, it's a pretty niche or specific industry. And often you go to things and everyone kind of knows everyone, but there's certain pockets that everyone operates in, you know, like the primary care group, everyone knows everyone, but then you've got the hospital space where you kind of know, and, and then we're in the health informatics side. And, and there's a few institutions that support that more closely, but then you've got a startup crowd and they, and they're doing all some cool things. And then of course, and look at the and health and Ausbiotech and MTP Connect side, and, and those are all in some... So if you look at all these Venn diagrams, th there's good attempts, I think, these days now of, of trying to cross over more, but it can be easy to kind of be in your own little world and not and just see that as, as that's what you're doing. I think there's so much opportunity for the pharma crowd to lean into the startup side more and for startups to be more open and listening to the, the real need for the more stricter governance and data control side of the health informatics and the, uh, so the health informaticians. So I think that... There's a lot of assumptions people make about what each area really want to do. And I think if there was more conversations between them, a lot of those dreaded silos could come down and we could actually get some meaningful stuff done. So I think that's where I sit on that. Yeah. One. I mean, it's it's really interesting, Pete. This podcast could go for four and a half hours in our current setting. <laughs> We've got to be careful on that one. <laughs> Let me put a really interesting lens across this and, and it's slightly connected to diversity and inclusion as a philosophy. 
we are watching diversity and inclusion agendas in the world in multiple different levels really sort of shake the foundations of what's been traditional thought. And while I'm not going to use the platform to basically you know, push any single agenda, what I would like to do is articulate a couple of different things that we're doing in the digital health industry that we may need to become conscious of. Subconsciously, we see collaboration in this way that is a close partner or somebody that can enable us to move forward in this really sort of partnership, mutual value exchange. We're going to work together to take on the big thing, the big gorilla. Yes, I'm not saying that that's not collaborative, and I I do appreciate the fact that they're coming together. But remember, you're actually attracting somebody to you that has a similar mindset, a similar goal, a similar view, and may not be as diverse in their thinking about the challenge that you're trying to outcome. And for me, I've seen a number of these work really successfully. I've also seen them fail just as spectacularly because of the almost shared blind spots. And I want to take you through a a couple of really interesting examples of a different way of doing it. The alternate to this sort of cooperative work together, hold hands movement to tear down the man, to put it in that in that term, <laughs> yep. is a really different approach. And I've been lucky enough to work in a couple of settings. One was in a large pharma company, one was in an academic institution, and one is with a startup. So I'll, I'll share these three. The very first one, the, the large pharma company, it's funny you, you say we should be leaning into startups. I can tell you right now that they are, but they're, they're leaning on them rather than leaning into them. They're trying to use this sort of startup approach to solve problems that they can't see. Often the expectations around agility and the ability to sort of focus on that really narrow or deep academic knowledge to be able to unlock value in that way. One of the things that I have seen is I've seen a different approach from a couple of companies where they're actually going out there not to say to an expert in therapeutic area A, but an expert in you know something completely different. With your startup methodology, how would you attack this problem that we have? right? So, here's a company that's got what we think is heaps and heaps of resources. That's a misnomer, but that we think that they're there. Trying to actually overcome problems of a lack of resource, nine times out of 10. And they're going to this sort of view of how would you approach this problem? Not can you solve it for me, but what's that diversity in thought that you can bring to this situation, which is really interesting. Next example that, I, that we saw was, and this is this is academ- an academic setting, an academic institution that, that I've been lucky enough to work with was really out there saying, hey, we're really excellent at this. We want to collaborate with people that can get us into the marketplace or get us through. We want this type of person to join us on our crusade. The interesting thing there was rather than sort of find the expert in that area, they went to a really unique setting. They actually went to a marketing company. And they said, we want you to come to our, our academic session. We're going to present this paper. When we present this paper, we want to present it you know, academically, but we also want to make sure we present this in a marketing manner. What would be different? That's the question they asked. What would be different if you presented this paper? You want a weird room? Do that. It's the funniest thing. And I literally, I was jaw open watching this unfold. But it was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen done because it was two different sets of jargon and language and methodology. Like it was just, you talk about Clash of the Titans, don't worry about this. This was like culture mashup. It was almost like men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Is that the name of the book or it might be the other way around? I'm not very good at that. I think so, yeah. No, that's right. It was that sort of 
lack of tangibility at the start. But I tell you what, it's one of the best academic presentations I've ever seen after that session. Not because it was pure marketing language, but because they'd really integrated that sort of mix of, you know, what does the audience want to hear and what is the message we need to deliver. And then the last one was was literally a startup that was going down their own pathway and they were looking for collaborators that were experts in this area. And in fact, they'd built some of the best collaborations, partnerships, let's call them contracts, in trying to solve this problem. And that startup community was really interesting because they were sort of building this, oh, you've been to these meetings when everyone bangs their fist on the table, like, we need to change that. That's broken. Yep. It's wrong. <laughs> And interestingly enough, it was a government official who attended a networking session where one of these banging on fists sort of conversations started up. The government official, in her absolute clarity, leaned over and said, we think you're barking up the wrong tree. You need to apply your technology in this way. Have you ever thought about that? And seven people stopped talking. It was almost like the chinking of glasses stopped. The whole, like, you know, those moments of silence in that you the, get in the record, the record stopped. stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody looked around at the same thing. But it was that really interesting change in perspective. And interestingly enough, this government official then said, well, come, come with us. We're going to actually facilitate a little bit more because we can see that approach. And admittedly, that last one, not purely in digital health, more in um, uh, digital interfaces is something that we see actually out here every day, right? Trying to trying to overcome that challenge. We've got that example. And I think if anything, my takeaway from this is sometimes you do need to think not just outside the square, but you need to take feedback and guidance from how somebody else would approach your problem. We all have problems, right? And if we just try and solve them the same way, we're going to get the same answers. And sometimes it's the, that's the insanity of what we do. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. It's quite similar to that point that very valid point that people make when it comes to recruiting for internally for a team, you don't want to hire a bunch of people who are just like you, you, you want complementary skills and, you know, areas that if you're a, if you're running a team, you don't want people with the same skills as you, what you want to fill the gaps that you have. Same goes with partnerships and collaboration. It may not necessarily be like going in and assuming that, you know, collaboration is code word for a financial transaction that's going to occur in this 
partnership going in with the view of well where I liked that quote around what would be different you know if if you did this I think that striving for that diversity of thought as you say uh, is a great way to think about how to build a, a more robust approach to solving your problem yeah ab- absolutely and Pete sorry to put in a bit of a plug here but that's really the beauty of the end health plus program as well it uses the the diverse skill sets of their member group really to give some guidance to give some differences in views they're not your employees they don't do what you ask all the time but they're going to give you unique perspectives not only from the individual program level but you know the international advisory committee is just amazing talent and not amazing talent because they've done the same thing. They're amazing talent because they've done such like so many things. It's just such a, if you ever get the chance, they are great. They're great people to follow from just what they're thinking about and the way that they're thinking about challenges. So yeah, that's that beauty. And and what we build around those cohort companies within that and health plus system is really key. And the plug is that cohort two, as we as we record this is open, so the applications for cohort two are open. Head to andhealth.com.au and you'll be able to follow the links there to the application process and the eligibility criteria. Yeah, good that you brought that up actually, because I wanted to speak more about your particular focus on the and health plus program. And I was going to ask for those that aren't, you know, they might have seen that and health plus exists or the and health is around, but they're like, there's the and health plus components. So is it a accelerator, incubator? People know those terms. How do you position it with, with those types of programs? I'm going to get shot for this uh, because it's sort of an accelerator incubator, right? <laughs> I'm sure Bron would love that one as well. She, she's going to love that. <laughs> it's a very unique thing. So it doesn't fit either. So trying to fit both is just a complete sacrilege. So And Health Plus is really unique. It's not an incubator because we don't take equity. All right. So that's number one sort of setting. It's not an accelerator because it's far more hands-on about actually getting inside the business in an advisory and collaborative approach than the typical accelerator, which is pretty much we're going to teach you things and then away you go. So it's this unique sort of view. And rather than sort of say which bucket it falls in, maybe I can I can describe this. The runs on the board for And Health Plus are really clear. Those outcomes that we've been able to deliver in job growth, investability, I mean, even exit, we've seen the benefits of actually wrapping these cohort companies around a diverse mindset, a diverse group of experts, but also a connected network. And that's the really big part. For those that aren't aware of of Health Plus, a commercialization engine is the really big uh, aspect here. It is a five to seven cohort company, uh, sorry, uh, five to seven company cohort. So it's very, very unique. Get about 100-ish applications for the cohort so far. And we select down um, through some filtering processes, obviously the eligibility criteria, making sure you're the right stage, you're the right definition, all of that sort of the filtering process goes on. But each individual company actually gets feedback on their application. Even by just applying, you're already getting benefit being given back to this organization. It's, It's the collaborative approach really at its sort of finest. That investment that the team make in sourcing the feedback, compiling it, and actually you know delivering that back is coming to us in spades. So there's actually two cohort companies that 
are on their second sort of realm through the process. And that's because moved forward, their feedback was was sort of given and now they're at the next stage. So they've been able to sort of get into that into that setting. Which means that if you've applied previously, we, we want to know about you again. <laughs> Just because um, 12 or 18 or 24 months ago, we, we may have seen an application. This market is so dynamic. Industry is so dynamic. And the organizations we're dealing with are really dynamic as well. So, you put those three things together, you can be in a different setting 12 months after that, that initial approach. So, we are really excited about what cohort two is going to go. The, the cohort one is, is continuing and, and doing great guns at this moment in time. The sort of differentiator, if I can be really uh, blunt about this, and Health Plus is such an important part of how you run your business, that the ability to actually handle it as you're going through, right? When you've got 10 to 15 different viewpoints coming into your business, you need to be mature enough to be able to process that. And that's why we're looking at at organizations that are not early stage, like they need to be uh, in revenue. They need to be like an actual viable customer base of some kind. We don't pay for product development. That's not what this is about. It's all about commercialization. And in fact, that's the reason that I'm pretty sure I was tapped on the on the window to come back and 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 sort of that expertise in commercialization of these aspects and building the network. Nice one. Starting to round out the conversation because I need to give you an early warning, um, but not being <laughs> cheeky, but just on the point around commercialization because there are many that might be at, let's say, an earlier stage or even contemplating getting involved or perhaps they are GPs or clinicians that moonlight on the side with some digital health consulting that they do. It's great. We've got such a diverse group of um, people involved in this space, but the commercialization aspect of, of digital health is always a tricky one. Where are you seeing people uh needing the most amount of guidance or getting the most amount of value or some of the trends or, or the common themes that, that you're talking to people, whether it's through the Anthel site or, or your work with Provisior as well when it comes to commercialization and digital health these days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks. I mean, Provisior was founded on putting Australian innovation on the global stage. Okay. We do great research here in Australia and, and I've known that for my entire career. You whether it's in whether it's in biotech, whether it's in medtech, whether it's in clinical practice, we do very, very good science and we do very, very good research. Where we trip ourselves over is in this translation of that into a commercially sustainable entity, whatever that looks like. And there are so many different ways. Everybody thinks that they just have to go and sell it. One of the things that we do as Provisior and and health within the PLUS program is what are the alternate pathways that you may not have thought of? What are some of the vehicles that you can use that that are a bit unique? Or what are those trends that are going on in the marketplace that you can actually occupy or or even sort of piggyback on how you're getting that, that traction? To use Talking Health Tech as an example, you've got this wonderful platform that we're bringing the community together. What are the different ways that we can actually grow your community? That advice as it comes forward may not be get more members, right? It may be, how do we get our members to advocate for us? How do we find someone else that wants to understand what this looks like? So on the list goes. Because Provisio was founded in that, you know, how do we actually make that work? We're taking some really great innovation. We build the right strategies around that. And if I was to sort of highlight one part is our strategic prowess about our organizations as startups and SMEs is somewhere where I think is underinvested in because we think that strategic choices, how many of the things we're going to do, strategic choices about 
really what we're not going to do? What do we have to delay? What do we have to stop doing to enable our prioritization to really move forward? And and those excellent strategies that get put into play that are focused have the greatest probability of success when it comes to translation and commercialization. So that's really one big big part. I think and health as a institution, if I can call it that, is actually recognizing that as well. So the and health plus program is very late stage. It's really the sort of the jewel in the crown. But there are earlier and earlier programs and there's everywhere from very early stage educational programs that you'll hear about. So the Bright program is a well-respected and, and highly sought after um, program that effectively you can take through a sort of founder's mindset, whether you're a researcher or a clinician or or you know a, tech, a technician off the street. If you are passionate about how this works, it gives you the early stage frameworks to be able to think about your challenge. That progresses through a number of different courses and by all means, head to andhealth.com.au to to really look at that. But the next big one is around masterclass. And there is a masterclass that brings all of these different parts together and really gives you the sort of artillery to take on a market, to commercialize your product, to set up those strategies, to think about the operational requirements, you know, privacy, technical, IP, all of those things. So that masterclass has become the sort of really big platform for this inflection point between an idea and something that's real and tangible. So with the audience out there, if you've got an early stage idea, go into those early stage programs, put some sketches around what your idea is, use that intelligence to really sort of shape the idea and then test it. And as you're testing it and you're sort of moving through that process, have your eye on Masterclass because Masterclass will enable you to put some of the commercial smarts around that, some of the operational smarts around it. And again, you get this really broad experience of lots and lots of expertise on the one class. So you don't have to go to 25 different courses. Then after your Masterclass, you've got something that's tangible and it's moving forward. You've got and Health Plus on the horizon that can accelerate you. They're an accelerator, yes. Are they an incubator? Yes, because the funding that's available through them is, is huge. And then you get to this last piece, which is the expertise, the diversity of thought, and that really global network that that organization can bring. So that's my plug for the ecosystem. Yeah, look, I mean, that's a, that's a great way to sum up how to think about navigating some of these great resources that exist, particularly through and health. And I know there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and thinking about how to navigate that whole landscape of commercializing a digital health solution within the Australian health tech and global, Australian and global ecosystem. So I'm going to put the details for and health in the show notes of this episode and also some of those points and other things that we mentioned Adam as well any final thought and things to wrap up this conversation No I think I think Pete this won't be our last podcast it might be our first but it won't be our last to have that feeling My closing thoughts are really interesting because we we've talked a lot about how we sort of move forward and what we're trying to do in a community I also want to sort of celebrate some of our successes I think all too often we talk about our own challenges and, you know, why can't we drive adoption quicker? What is the challenges to uptake? Where can we get smarter? Where can we get more money? That's the most you know, the most loud thing that we hear. But every now and again, we have to look back. And I was, you know, fortunate or unfortunate enough to, to use our, our healthcare system just on Monday to really sort of go through what historically would have been a paper heavy, application heavy, visit heavy, you know, three or four appointment process that was done pretty much virtually in prep 
So the onboarding was digital, whether it was teleconsult, whether it was you know digital forms. And then I arrived at a procedure with all of that information there with pre-risk assessed assessment. I pretty much walked into a room and they said, we know everything about you. Just check these things just to make sure that it is you. And then done. It was seamless. And if that's what we can get to in the future, and albeit it was only a small procedure, but if that's where we can get to in the future, then we are doing our job because it is making sure, I think we lose sight of this occasionally, it's making sure that we can get access to healthcare. That's what we're here about, right? It's about improving the access to content, to the treatments, even to the preventions so that we can make a change in the world. That's what drives me, Pete. I'm pretty sure it drives clinicians everywhere. And uh, if you want to come on that journey, then Provisio and Health, Adam Wardell, Pete Birch, we're all here. Let's go. Let's make a band. Let's do this. <laughs> so we'll do a live road show, it sounds like we've talked ourselves into. But look, in the meantime, follow along Provisio and Health on the Talking Health Tech website. It's in the show notes of this episode. There'll be a comprehensive article that goes along with it. Adam, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks, Pete. Stay well. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.